Amen. Look at somebody say, glad you showed up today. Look at somebody else say, glad you did too. There we go. Come on. Equal opportunity here today. Um, I want to talk to you today about encouragement. This is the last installment in our pause series before we dive in. Um, next week we'll be in something new. But uh, I want to encourage you um, in this one because this is the E is for encouragement. The E is for encouragement. I just happen to believe that whenever God wants to do something big in my life, he always gives me encouragement to go for it. And so um, I've got a couple of tables up here today. They represent lunch tables. I don't know if you remember that scary time in your life, uh, probably high school, when uh, you walked into the lunchroom for the first time and you saw everybody, all kinds of different tables. You had the jocks at one table. You had the emo kids at another table. You had the Barbies at another table. You had the plastics at a table. You had, you know, all the things, right? You had all the tables. And you had to try and figure out, uh, where do I fit, right? Where do I go? Who, who do I connect to? Who will accept me? It might be one of the most daunting things. Maybe you were that guy that just, or that gal that just said, well, Everybody likes me, you know, so I'm good. And you just went to the table. But, but I want to talk with you today because I believe that, that a lot of times um, you have to choose your table wisely. And, and, and what do I mean by that? In, in Scripture, there are all different kinds of tables. I probably will do a series just on tables. Because when you look, there's, there's the table of Passover. There's the table of communion. There's the table of the Lord. There's, there's the table of Nebuchadnezzar. There's, there's all different kinds of tables. David said, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, right? So, so we know that God's always got a table. And, and we also know that there's other tables. The table of Nebuchadnezzar was the table that Daniel was forced to sit at. He didn't choose to sit there, but he was forced to sit there, right? And he had a decision to make. Now, I don't know about you and what you did when you were a kid in school, but I loved, you know, going to a lunchroom as a child is a little bit like trading stocks, you know? There's, there's that exchange where your mom or your dad packed you something that, you know, maybe you liked or didn't like, but you knew they were going to check when you got home. You know what I'm talking about? To see if you ate it. And so you had people at the table. Did anybody ex engage in lunchtime stock trading where you, you tried to exchange something for somebody else's something? Maybe it was that fruit roll up, that snack pack, that something. It was something that you wanted that they had or that you had that they wanted, right? Whatever it was, am I, am I relating to anybody right now? Did you just all get what you wanted when you went to lunch? I don't know. But, but man, my mom, she was healthy, so I, I wanted to trade away everything, man. I just wanted to trade it all away. So, so, you know, you could, some of you were good traders, and some of you were bad traders, right? You came out at the short end of the stick. I want you to watch what you trade in the kingdom of God. Watch what you trade. Because whenever you engage in the Lord's table, if you sit at the right table, then God will always give you something better than what you gave him. Always. You always will come out better. You get sin and he, get, he gets sin and you get righteousness. You have anxiety and you get peace. Are you with me? 
That's why the Bible says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So when I exchange weariness, the Bible says, they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. When I take off weariness and give it to him, it's like I gave him the worst thing in my lunch pail. And he gave me the best thing in his. So, so there's always an exchange with the Lord. When, when, when I give him my finances and my tithe, he opens up the windows of heaven and pours out a blessing that I can't contain. The, you see what I'm saying? Whenever there's an exchange with God, it will always be better. Always. That's the table of the Lord. Unfortunately, a lot of us tend towards a different table. And the people sitting at that table are out to get you. They're out to get a better deal. And you, whether you realize it or not, the enemy is always trying to get you to trade something for something worse, but he makes it look better. This is, this is so much better than what you have. This is called relief, temporary relief. It, he doesn't tell you that you'll be ensnared in addiction. He just says it's temporary relief. You, you hear what I'm saying today? So, so, so there's always something cloaked in it, and you have to be careful what you trade. If you're, and I think this is really, really important, and I want to make this very clear, that God always lets you have at least two tables in your life. You'll never walk into a room with just one table, because God loves choice. He gives it to you. Choice is a prerequisite for love, so if I don't, if I don't have at least two tables, weren't there two trees in the garden? Tree of life, tree of knowledge of good and evil. You get a choice at what table you want to sit at. But I want to encourage you, encourage you. It's all about encouragement. Look at what you want to trade because this table is probably one that most of us don't choose, but God's there. And it's one where he's packed something really good and you might not realize it because everybody loves this table. There's cool kids sitting at this table. There's people that are doing things at this table, but, but this is the table of life. And this is a table where you have to decide what you're willing to trade and what you're willing to give to him. Uh, we're in basketball season, love basketball, grew up playing basketball, enjoy basketball. Uh, you know, depending on what era you're in, I know it's all LeBron and Steph these days, but for me it was uh, Michael Jordan and Larry Bird. The, the, those are the guys, and, you know, it didn't get any better than Michael uh, for me. Um, when, when you're playing, it does not matter. Hear me now. God put you on a team for a reason. And when you're on a team, I, I want to say this very clearly. If you're playing a team game, then it doesn't matter how good you are individually. Michael never won a championship until he got with Scotty, until he got with uh, some other folks. Are you hearing me today? So, so, so God never called you. You might be the best Christian. You might wear, suit, you might wear a J on your, on, on your chest. Like, ah, you know, I'm just, I'm that guy. You know, I can tell you that God never intended for you to walk alone. And encouragement is implicit in having people around you to encourage you. Are you, are you following me today? Hence connect groups. Hence being a part of something. And, and here's, here's how I like to depict it. There's a foundation the foundation that you stand on is the word is Jesus Christ and his word. Those two things, right? The foundation of the word, the foundation of Christ. There is no other cornerstone. There is no other foundation. But the structure that the found, that, that, that's built upon the foundation is your application of that word and your unity with the people in your life. The structure has to be tied together, right? No, you, 
Have you ever tried to live in a house that didn't have nails holding it up and other things, putting the wood together? No, you didn't. They, they didn't just set it on top of each other and say, okay, get in the house. No, there was something tying it all together. That's unity. And unity is critical when you're walking together. I want to say that. A lot of people, and if you're married here today, get this. Get this. Uh, listen, uh, the best thing that can happen is for you two to be in unity. But here's what I also want to say. Don't stand in unity on the wrong foundation. You both sink. Right? You have to know, you have to discern what is the foundation of the word of God say about this topic, about that topic, about this thing, about that thing. So I'm going to give you today, we're going to frame it in on encouragement and unity. We're going to build off these two things today. Last week we talked a little bit about this. Uh, Paul writes to Philemon. Um, he says, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Your, I want to say that too. You don't have a full understanding of what you have until you share it with somebody else in the kingdom. That's a whole nother topic. It says, your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints. So love gave me joy and encouragement. Love gives encouragement. And how was love expressed? Through refreshing the hearts of the saints. That, that, that Philemon had done something for the church that gave Paul such joy and such grace. Encouragement. Everybody say encouragement with me. Come on, say it like you mean it, encouragement. Romans 15, 4 through 5, everything that was written in the past was written to teach you so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. And that's where I pair those two words together. If you've been at Hope Point a while, you might have heard that. I call it encouragement right? It's endurance and encouragement that the scriptures give you. You look back at them and you go, man, they made it, so can I. God moved in their life, so can he in mine. I got encouragement from what God did through Moses, who had, who had killed an Egyptian. I got encouragement through David, even though he fell, God used him in such a mighty way. I got encouragement through what God did. Are you hearing me today? Endurance and encouragement. Uh, encourage means to give heart to, right? To give hope or promise. I love that word hope. To give hope to, to give life to, to urge on. So when I, when I say encouragement, it means to give heart to somebody. Come on, to help them go, hey, I can make it. There's hope in this. I can do this. Even though it looks dark, God can move. It says, encourage Hebrews 3.13. Encourage one another daily as long as it is called today. So here's the cool thing about the word encouragement. It means that in that, that context, is, is, is a, it's a word called parakaleo, which is the exact same word that Jesus uses to describe the Holy Spirit. I'll send you the paraclete, the advocate, the counselor, the encourager. Isn't it amazing that, that Jesus uses the same word for the Holy Spirit that he's sending to you and to me as the word encouragement. It's the exact same root. The Holy Spirit is there to encourage you, church. The Holy Spirit is there to lead and guide you in the will of God. The Holy Spirit is there to call, to beckon, and invite you into his purpose and into the things that he has for you. And when you encourage others in the house, what it does is it enables you to engage in a work of the Holy Spirit. It enables you to participate in the divine nature of God. So, so I love 
that Jesus uses that word and the writer of Hebrews does as well because it ties the work of the Holy Spirit together with something that we can do as a body of believers. It says uh, there, there's lots of different scriptures on these things, but, but I want to I tell you that your experiences can help other people and you have to discern your alignment. Hear me. Discern your alignment. If you're not aligned, then, then, then things don't happen properly. If my back isn't aligned, I have a lot of pain. I can't lift right, right? If I'm not in alignment, then I can't hit the target. What am I supposed to be aligned with if I'm going to be encouraged in God? Well, number one, the Lord. Be aligned with God and be aligned with His Word. Let's look at this. It says this. There's an alignment for your assignment. An alignment for your assignment. Abraham, it says in Romans, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, right? Abraham in hope believed and became the father of many nations, just as it was said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. <laughs> so pleasant, right? He says, since he was about 100 years old and Sarah's womb was also dead, Yet he did not waver through unbelief. Hear me. He did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he promised. Is anybody out there? Do you believe that God has power to do what he promised? God has power to do what he promised. That's why it was credited to him as righteousness. Not because of all the amazing things he did, but because of his faith. They were written not for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness for us who believe in him. Church, true faith is not ignoring the seeming contradictions or challenges of reality. It's actually facing them and believing in God's promise and his word despite them. Are you hearing me? That, that I'm not going, I'm not living in some alternate reality where I've got my head in the sand and ignoring the circumstances. That's not faith. That's not faith. Faith is going, I, 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 am, I am sure that I am 100 years old. I am sure that my wife's womb has been dead our entire marriage and I am sure that God promised I would have a son and I will have a son through that woman I don't care what happens I don't care how it looks it's going to happen are you with me that is faith it was credited to him as righteousness he was aligned with God's word can I tell you a lot of times God speaks things to us and the reality of our circumstances contradicts what he says. And so we decide to go, well, I guess I missed it. Well, I guess maybe God had another plan. No. God's sovereign. He doesn't have another plan. He just has his plan. Are you with me? The good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. So, 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 so don't be mistaken. God's plan is exactly what he tells you. The difference is you have to discern it and be in alignment with it, and faith releases it. That's why, that's why the Bible says that what? 
he was strengthened in his faith in the promise of God, the, prom the presence of God, the power of God, and the provision of God in his life. He did not waver in unbelief. The longer you walk with God, the more fully convinced you are that he has the power to do all, do all things because you've seen his hand move in those ways. You also have to align your mouth. Oh, this is a difficult one. You know I was going to get there at some point, right? Come on. You have to align your mouth with God's word. What does 2 Corinthians 4 say? I believed, therefore I have spoken. What if faith were the filter for the function of our mouth? You would speak less, you and I, quiet up in here today. If faith is the filter for the function of our mouth, then we would speak to affirm what God's word is because the tongue has the power of life and death to tables. What am I trading right here? I don't know about you, but I am more and more convinced that this is steering the course of my life. That's what James says. It steers the course of my life. So God just says, okay, well, you know, I spoke the world into existence. Tongue has the power of life. You're made in my image. So you can speak a lot of things into your life as well. By the way, that's not like name it, claim it stuff. That's not like sloppy faith. That is when you align your mouth with your faith in the word of God, God does something awesome. I believed, therefore I spoke. He didn't say I spoke and I picked up belief someplace else. He said, I believed and my mouth followed my belief. That, my, that, that whatever was here out of the abundance of the heart, my mouth spoke that, that faith entered my heart and I had to hear it. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Ah, now you see the connection. So if I'm reading the word, hello. If I'm hearing the word, it's getting in my heart. It's, it's germinating faith. And it's then what? Coming out of my mouth. That's the... See, a lot of times the diet is different. What I'm eating and hearing articulates here. So, so I have to decide what I will filter here so that it will filter here. Are you with me? I, I just want you to get this because if I'm aligned there, then I'm aligned with the word of God. I have to be aligned with his spirit. The Holy Spirit is there to encourage you. Galatians 5.25 says, since we are led by the spirit, let us keep in step with the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you. I was, uh, I mean, I were at a conference this week, church, uh, pastor's conference, and um, I noticed we were in a different, we were in a new city, and I was, uh, I tend I'm like a foot taller than Amy almost. So like um, we've, her, her legs are shorter, my legs are longer, right? And so my stride is like four of hers. And so what, what, what will gener generally happen is I'm like 10 feet in front of her. And she's always like, you always walk in front of me. I'm like, I'm not even trying right now, you know, like. So I had to keep looking back and then I would go, okay, slow down, slow down so I can walk with Amy. Because I want to walk with Amy. I want to go, you know, she's, she's my bride, I love her. I want to I walk with her. But, but I keep going out of stride, right? 
because because Amy's working four times harder than I am for the same stride, right? She's she's doing this and I'm pacing long. And so and, and I walk faster. Anyway, and so so I had to had to adjust. What does the Holy Spirit say? Keep in step with the Spirit. You can be around the Holy Spirit but not be walking with him. And here's the challenge. If he's slower than you, you can be going down the road and he took a right somewhere. He's like, hey, uh, over here, over here. You're going, hey, I mean, I thought I was... It took me having an awareness of where my wife was to be able to walk with her. Because I would just get distracted by all the things we were seeing and the places we had to go and what we had to do. Are you following me today? You have to be aware of the Holy Spirit in your life. He's there to encourage you. He's there on your job. He's there in your crisis. He's there with that mouthy kid of yours and mine. And he's there in all of those seasons to give you guidance and direction. He's there in that argument that you might have later. He's going to be there. Listen to him. Don't just acknowledge that he's around. Yield to him. I had to yield. I had to, oh, got to slow down. Slow down, Jonathan. Slow down. Slow down. It's better for your marriage if you slow down. Right? Walk together. Walk together. Be aligned with his will. I love Hebrews 10, 35. Such a great book on, on encouragement. Don't throw away your confidence. It'll be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God you'll receive what he promised. When you do the will of God, you receive what he promised. You don't receive what he promised if you don't do the will of God. Be aligned. Be aligned with his people. I love this one. Ephesians 4. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort. That's crazy. Every effort. Unity is so important to God. He says, do everything you can within the bounds of Scripture to make it work. Do everything. Yield, submit, be humble. Do all of the things. Be aligned with your spouse. What God has put together, let no one separate, not even you. That's not just about divorce. That's about not walking together, right? I mean... The context is divorce, but how many of you know you can be separated but not but still together? <laughs> God didn't intend for you to walk that way. That's not walking together. That's just being around each other. Quiet in here again. I just I want to encourage you, church. What are some roadblocks to encouragement in your life, to unity in your life? Number one, a lack of faith. We started with faith. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. What did it say? By faith, we what? Understand. Say it with me. By faith, we? Oh, so some things you don't understand until you're in faith. By faith, we understand. Not by logic, not by, not by a lot of the other things, the, the indicators, the senses that people would know. By faith, 
we understand. Faith brings understanding. It's not an excuse or a crutch. It's actually, uh, it's not an excuse for understanding. It's, it's, that it's a key to understanding. Faith enables you and I to understand what God is up to. If you don't have faith, you can't have unity in what God wants to do. It's a precursor to your life. Another roadblock would be differing standards. Don't be unequally yoked. Don't be unequally yoked in your family. Opposing visions. Amos 3.3 says, How can two walk together unless they be agreed? You know what division is? It's simply two different pictures of the future. Division, two visions. Two different pictures of what, where we're headed, what God wants to do. There's some roadblocks to unity in your life. And encouragement is designed to get you on the right page with Jesus. And if I can just, for a minute, say, hey, get a team around you. What table do you want to sit at? I want to sit at the table of the Lord. Sometimes I don't always discern it. Sometimes I trade away some things I wish I could have back. Oh, man. I let him, let him in. Shouldn't have let him in. Said the wrong thing. Did the wrong thing. Come on. We've all been there. Get your snack pack back. Get your snack pack back. Come on. Let God make a beautiful exchange with you. Get in the place so you can run your race. There's an alignment for your assignment. God has faith for your situation. Whatever he's called you to run, he'll give you the faith for. There's an alignment that you have to get in for your assignment. If you're a teacher, there's an alignment for your assignment. If you're a professor, there's an alignment for your assignment. If you're a firefighter, there's an alignment for your assignment. If you're a police, there's an alignment in your family for the assignment that God has given you. You have to get in alignment with faith, with, your, with the word, with the Lord, with your mouth, with the Holy Spirit, with the church, with your spouse. Say, hey, I'm coming into alignment. Some things I don't like about this, but I know this is the Lord. I know he's called me to walk in it, and I'm not going to speak things that are against what he's called me to. Are you hearing me today? Be encouraged. There's an encouragement that God wants to bring into your life. And I, I got to be honest with you. Some of the best encouraging times I had were when people were around me that spoke life into my life. They just, they, they spoke the word of God to me. They spoke the word of God to me. They said, hey, you know what? You can and God is able. And so that's why I'm promoting getting a tribe around you. Get into something. Meet some people. Connect. Good things take time. They take time. But God's faithful. Amen? Let's bow our heads together today. I just want to encourage you. want to pray over you. Our prayer team will come. And if you need encouragement, not in unity on something, just want to make sure that we pray for you. But I also want to invite people that maybe have walked through life alone. And what I mean by that is without Christ. You know, Jesus came so that we could know him and have a relationship with him. And you're not in alignment with the word of God at all. You might, hey, have been to church or say, I believe, you know, I think there's a heaven, there's a hell, all that. There is. 
but you've never surrendered your life to Christ, if you're online today or in this house, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. Our church loves to introduce people to Jesus. And there's, there, there's forgiveness of sin. There's abundant and eternal life. But that's all found through submission and surrender to Christ. It's all found in, in, in asking for forgiveness of sin that separated us from him in the first place. Doesn't matter how big or how small, all sin separates us. So right now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to invite you. And our whole church will pray. Let's pray together loud and proud. Let's introduce somebody to Jesus. At the end of that prayer, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and acknowledge that decision that you made today. It's the most important decision of your life. It's why I take time every service to make sure that, that everybody knows the Lord and receives Him as their Savior. And so today we're going to do that. Would you pray with me today? Say, Dear God, forgive me of my sin. I come to you and I give you my life. I make an exchange, my sin for your righteousness. I believe you paid a price I couldn't, Jesus, when you went to the cross. I believe that you rose again, conquered death and hell, so I can have abundant and eternal life. I receive it now as I commit to follow you all my days. Thank you for saving me, for loving me, and giving me a new start. In Jesus' name, amen. You said that prayer, man, in your heart. Would you just raise your hand right now? I just want to make sure that we see you, that we acknowledge that. Thank you. That's the most important decision you can make. Thank you. That's, that's so important. Let's give God a hand for that.